Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, Pokemon presents Pokemon. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including a brand new Pokemon game. And then on Thursday, we're going to be seeing Mario Vision. We're going to be working through our grief with Mario Vision. But in the meantime, Mark, how you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, I can't believe we only have one week left of WandaVision. I'm kind of shocked at how much I'm en- I have been enjoying it. Enjoying it. Yeah, and well, and we'll probably get into it more. Like, I I imagine. Uh, so on 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 Thursday's episode, we're going to be doing uh like Nintendo things as uh t- sitcoms and TV shows from the various decades, a la Wandavision. So we'll probably talk more about Wandavision at that time, right? And go like full spoilers through like what what we know. Look, this episode is safe. If you haven't seen any Wandavision right now, this episode right here safe no mm-hmm. spoilers what even is wandavision no one knows <laughs> we're definitely not going to tell you um mark did you watch the golden globes at all i did not watch any of the golden globes did you um yeah i mean sarah always likes to have the award shows on and every for every single one of them i'm like i'm not watching this, this is stupid and then i end up watching most of it um it's the her. glamour of hollywood you can't look Except, away <laughs> it's true it's like a car crash um but uh yeah it's a uh, it's it is oddly comforting to see everyone uh struggling with the same like uh production from home uh, <laughs> you know, totally kind of things. and like dropping calls and uh lags and stuff where it's just like okay we're look still uh against all odds we're still all in this thing together <laughs> so it was weirdly comforting um, speaking of weirdly comforting things, my copy of Sonic Forces, would you like to borrow it? You can. All you got to do is uh, email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com, gmail.com and give us a mailing address where we can send this to you. I put your name on the list. You get to play this thing. Uh, but look, that's borrowing my copy of a game is exciting. Mark has got an even more exciting a giveaway. That's Mark, right. Why don't you tell him about it. Yeah, we're giving away a copy of Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE. Uh, Encore, I realize I've never been including the Encore part of it, which is, of course, what it's called on Switch because it is a Mm. re-release of the Wii U game. But we're giving away a copy or I guess a code for the U.S. eShop for Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE. Encore. Encore, yeah. (laughs) In order, and it's going to be a random giveaway. And in, in order to enter the contest, all you have to do is Send us an email at, to Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. <laughs> and in the subject line, uh, the subject should be sharp FE and include in the body of the email who your mirage would be. And a mirage is like somebody who is your avatar in battle, somebody who gives you power. And send that to us by March 15th. We'll take all the entries. We're going to randomly pick one and we, we will send that person a code. For Tokyo Mirage Sessions, which I'm excited about because I'm hoping I can have a dialogue with this person. I don't know anybody else who has played this game, and so I'm hoping that they enjoy it enough to continue on. 
so we can uh, be discussing it. Uh, very good. Uh, and I mean, Mark, I'll, I'll ask you about it when when we get into the next segment. So you can, <laughs> you can talk about it. That's right. I could talk about it, but we can't like I uh, we can't you compare experiences. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, and, uh, again, I, I'm, I'm loving all the emails that we're getting so far, um, and all of the descriptions of who your mirage would be and why, uh, again, the quality of your writing about your mirage or your pick for mirage has no basis on whether we select you to, uh, get the giveaway or not. Um, but I, the, look, the more thought you put into these things, the more I enjoy it. So, uh, keep, keep doing that for me, if for no one else. I honestly don't know who else you'd be doing it for. Just for the, the two of us. Mar- Mark and I uh, will enjoy it. Um, all right, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. Okay, first, just a quick thing about Animal Crossing, um, because the Mario items appeared in the like Nook shopping app um, today. There are a ton of them. Mario hat, Luigi hat, uh, princess crown, uh, wa- Wario, dare I say Wario hat? Also mustaches for those three guys. Also outfits for those three guys. Uh, coin blocks, thwomps, everything. So much stuff. But as always, you can only buy five of them per day because you're like ordering them from the mm. catalog. So... This is just me saying, like, hey, if you want to get on this, if you want to participate and get all the Mario stuff, I, I, didn't, I didn't count it. There's got to be, like, 40, 50 items. Oh, wow. Like, you're going to need your days. You're going to need to maximize your time and, like, just order all these things to make sure that you get them all. Does everything cost bells? Yeah. Got yeah, it. Everything is bells. And is it expensive? Um, not particularly expensive. I mean, it, it will be when you start, you know, buying five things yeah. per day every day but um yeah it's so it's, it's just a it's just a little like warning i checked it out today and was like oh my god there's so much of it here and there's no like event around it or anything it is right. just like they're they're all available now and i don't know how long if it's maybe just the month yeah that that wasn't clear to me either like is it a limited time thing time to the 35th 35th anniversary or is it are they just in the game permanently uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would get because they're they're in there under like the, the special items, right? Mm, so mm-hmm. um, or like the, the, the timed items, the seasonal items, I guess. Oh, um, got it. OK, so. So, yeah, knowing that you only have or uh, knowing that you can only get five per day, what did you zone in on? What were like the five that you t- chose to do first? So I was uh, I, I wasn't so much playing as I was watching Sarah play. Oh, got it. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, just being like get to the mario items i want to see the mario <laughs> items wait can you both buy can she buy five and you buy five mark you're reading my mind okay of course got we can. It. okay great um so i actually don't know which five she bought uh, I, I know that she she did uh pick five um i will ask her about them and i will buy five different uh today <laughs> so we can get it, uh, these mario things just as as efficiently as possible but i mean also like think about it you don't want one question block right you right. don't want one like you want multiples of all these things well especially because you the like tubes the pipes you have to buy you know mario's uh famous tubes um no the pipes the pipes (laughs) i i I was i was here to go along with it mario does pipes tubes whatever you you i i assume they don't come in like a set it's like you have to buy two of them in order to have like the warp factor so that all is also limiting yeah 
Yeah. So all of this uh, is just to say that if if you are if you were like, oh, Animal Crossing is fun, but you know, like whatever, I'll I'll get back to it when there's something interesting. There's something interesting, uh, but it's not going to be there forever. So uh, you know, if I had to guess, I would say that they'll come down at the same time. Uh, Super Mario Thirty Five and Mar- Super Mario All Stars disappear at the end of this month. Mark, we're finally here. We're finally to the month where the Mario special Mario stuff disappears. I know. I kind of forgot that that was happening. And then I saw an article, I think it was on The Verge today, that was like, here's all the Mario games that are going away at the end of this month. <laughs> I was like, oh, right. That's right. Oh, that right. is happening. Weird. <laughs> I should I should get back into Mario 35 because it's not going to be here forever. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm still, I, I still think that's, a, a, I'm a little dubious of the, like, Super Mario 35 feels like something they could keep around. Totally. Like, April 1st, totally. just be like, nah, it's still here. Yeah, I, I think they could. I don't know that they will. Or at least, I think it'll go away for a certain amount of time. Sure, that's fair. That's fair. Um, and then, the one other Animal Crossing thing I wanted to say is that there is also a pie uh, in the store for Pie Day, which is, of course, um, March 14th, uh, because the pie equals 3.14159265589. So on. Um, but uh, it costs, so it's it's a pie, and like there's a the pie numeral like written in the the pie crust, uh, and it costs three hundred and fourteen bells, which I thought was cute. That's fun. That's fun. <laughs> um, uh, but then uh, most of what what else I've been playing is just I, I continue to play the Blizzard Arcade Collection, uh, specifically the Lost Vikings, um, and and I'm playing the the like ultimate version of it. That's sort of a mashup mm-hmm. of the Genesis and uh, Super NES version. And as far as I can tell. It is just the Super NES version of the game with the extra levels that were in the Genesis version. Um, to my recollection, it sounds like uh, mm-hmm. a Super mm-hmm. NES uh, game and, and not like a Genesis game. Um, I still love this game. It is slower and harder than I remember. <laughs> um, and uh, so I've, I've taken to like using save states within levels. Like the the levels, uh, I my memory of them was that they were like very bite sized. That like, um, you know, you like move the kind of characters around, and everything was sort of like efficiently planned. And it's still sort of true, but there will be times where like I'll be playing something for like ten minutes and then get to like a really tough jump, and it's like I can't believe they put a tough <laughs> jump this far into. This. And if you lose the Viking, then you can't like you can't finish the level with just two Vikings. So, um. In any event, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still having a wonderful time with it. I, I started messing around with the uh, sort of uh, museum um, features in there uh, and the, the galleries and, like, behind-the-scenes stuff. And there's a little, like, featurette on the making of the, the Lost Vikings and uh, the making of Blackthorn oh, cool. um, with, like, interviews from people at, at Blizzard. Um, and it's, it's really neat and really cool, and, like, everything's really well done. And uh, it's just it's such a fun little package and collection of games. I've, I'm just so happy with it yeah it's it's nice that they're treating those games which like obviously people you know like you have um uh fond remembrances of but you know they're not like lost vikings is not like a huge blizzard right right franchise but it's nice to see companies like treating their retro games with that sort of like hey like museum piece like we're going to take the time to produce this uh featurette that is going to like go on the disc yeah I feel like that, like, as much as I loved um, Super Mario 3D All-Stars and having those games, I think it would have been great, even if Nintendo didn't do it on the disc, like, it would have been great to have Nintendo, like, for Mario's 35th anniversary, 
like we're going to create these little like documentaries because yes, we have a lot of like Wada asks, but I feel like yeah. as more and more of the elder statesmen of Nintendo start to retire, like there's going to be a lot of stories and just like knowledge, company knowledge that is going to leave with them. And I think that's a little bit of a shame. Yeah, I mean, I, I, absolutely. I, I I feel like they were they were rolling out, um, you know, uh, like people to like magazines and stuff like that. So there were like sort of disparate articles like popping up here and there. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, first of all, let's get like a doc. Let's get something like filmy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, really like ex- spill 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 some secrets. Like, <laughs> we want we want gas. Yeah, totally. We want the unvarnished truth. Um, one thing that I did not realize about the Lost Vikings is that, um, and it was revealed to me in seeing like concept art for what I'm about to describe, is that they are featured as like guest heroes in the Blizzard MOBA Heroes of the Storm. Did you know oh, this? Oh no, I didn't know this. So they're they're playable characters in this game, and like it's cool to see like these characters from the like mid '90s sort of redesigned for you know 2020 um and uh like still uh kicking around and it, it makes me it's it's so it's also just neat to see the sort of blizzard art aesthetic um present in uh, a game as early as lost vikings but like those three characters look like they belong in hearthstone or world of warcraft or something it's, it's really neat that's that is fun that's really cool uh okay now tell me how tokyo mirage <laughs> sessions is going Okay, well, I am careening towards the end. I can feel it's building momentum. Careening? Not just in, yeah, not just in the story, but also in, like, um, like I was talking about last week, like, I feel really powerful. And one of the fun things is that, like, um, it, I, so it's manifesting in the game in the sense that, like, uh, like, the sessions, which is when multiple people in your party are able to, like, build attacks on top of each other. And so it creates this, like, chain of attacks. And that is really like coming to a crescendo where like my chains are getting really long. And then you're unlocking these other um, like team ups that happen that like are not really part of a session. They're like uh, kind of like uh, optional. Like sometimes they'll appear as an option, but oh, they interesting. but they take the form as like little like cutscenes within the battle, which should be annoying. But they show off like a lot of like personality in the characters. And one of the things about this game is like the soundtrack is really like fun and really good. Not the the uh like score I'm I, I use fine, I'm not crazy about, but it has a lot of like J pop in it, like original songs that are written yeah. for it. And so, you know, like uh in the world of the game, all these characters that you're playing as are like pop idols or actors or they're all part of this entertainment agency. And so when they're doing these team ups, occasionally it'll be like a little like pop song. And it's just like really like funny and cute. Like it's funny. Uh the side stories are all usually like um, you're helping other people prepare for this role that they're doing on this like TV show, and the TV shows are really funny. Where it's like, uh, like aliens who um are in like love with a detective, and then they're having like really emotional scenes on the rooftop. Like it's just really crazy that and great. funny. I would yeah. watch that show. <laughs> no, yeah, and then there's like uh, it's oh man, it's called like sneeze detective or something like that, and it's basically like two detectives in one body, and when they sneeze, they like change personality. And you're like, this is borderline is like, could be real, like very, like easily could be real. Um, but what's interesting is like, 
the timing. So wait, of... well, hold on. So are, are those that's happening during a fight? No, 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 sorry. That's a great <laughs> okay. point. So what's happening during a fight are like uh, little like songs that they'll play together or little like interactions um, between the characters that lead to like a, uh, usually like they do a lot of damage and then there's also like another side effect. Like they'll heal a lot or they'll poison all the enemies or like something like that. Yeah. Um, the rest of that stuff is like side stories, which I'm slowly coming to, uh, like I'm finishing up all the side stories for the characters, which is a little bit like, I could just barrel through and finish like the main story. Like I'm basically, I think just right before the final like yeah. battle, I'm at the end here, but I want to finish these character side stories, not wow. because they're particularly like well-written, but because they're like funny. Like I've grown to really like these characters, um, even though they're very like stock anime tropey characters, like, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's just a lot of fun. Like the world doesn't take itself seriously. Obviously, it's yeah. just uh really silly. But w- one thing I want to say is like it has all of that stuff. But like the gameplay, like the a battle system and like the leveling system and all that kind of stuff is really tight. So it's it's not just like a silly game that you're like you're just trying to like get through the battles so you can uh because the, the story is yeah. really funny or something. It's like no, like the gameplay itself, like the battle system is really fun. And then there's this other stuff that like goes around it that doesn't take itself like ultra seriously. Um, because like I said, like I am opening up or not really opening up, but like the battle system is coming to a point where like I feel super powerful and it's like really fun to see all the, yeah, the like sessions and comp- combinations. And I think it's like that the game is like created very well that it's like, okay, yeah, like we w- you can, I guess maybe if I have had done a lot of grinding, that I could have like leveled up these characters a lot earlier. So I would have hit this point with all the characters being really powerful like earlier. But by not grinding, it like paced itself really well. So like I'm coming to the climax of the game and like the climax of my powers as well. It's just really fun. I am shocked how much I'm enjoying this game. Um, the, you, you were uh, de- describing something right there that uh, is another, you know, we were talking about it last week, but just like another thing that is so unique to uh, both video games and like JRPGs specifically, um, this feeling of being right at the end of the game, but not wanting to like move on to the end because there are like the little side stories you want to finish up with first, knowing full well that when you beat it, like that's it. <laughs> like right. what, what, once you finish the game, you're like, you're not going to go back to it. Totally. It's such a, it's such a weird like psychological thing of like, no, I've, I've made the credits go like, I'm done. I'm not yeah. playing this anymore. Especially because, you know, like, uh, I could always go back to an old save file or something and, like, all mm. that. Can, but I, I am with you 100%. It really is, like, no. Like, I'm pretty sure once I have finished the main story, my experience with Tokyo Mirage Sessions is going to be finished. Like, I don't know that Sharp I'll ever F-E go back encore. to Encore, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> all right. Well, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. Today, March 2nd, Harvest Moon One World is released for Switch. And uh, one, one World, is that, um, that, that's like a brand new Harvest Moon game? Uh, yeah, I think so. I've kind of lost track of Harvest Moon. Um, I pay more attention now to like Story of Seasons, which is mm-hmm. like the true Harvest Moon. Um, 
And so, because I can't remember exactly what the story is, and I think we've talked about it in the past, but basically, yeah. like, the developers of Harvest Moon, they don't own the rights to that name out, like, uh, in, anymore. And so, like, it's been relaunched as Story of Seasons in the West, and then Harvest Moon in the West has just continued on its, like, own path. Um, so I, I don't really know what the deal is with this Harvest Moon game. Yeah, I mean, it looks like it is. I, I'm just looking it up on, uh, well, I'm, I'm on Nintendo's website. I think it may just be coming to Switch um, instead of uh, across multiple platforms. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a Harvest Moon game. Someone uh, planting crops, um, having a dog. Um, looks cute. <laughs> and then on Thursday, March, March 4th, Genosia, which was a game that was in the... Oh, uh, yeah. What? what? Was it the there's was, was there the a partner, partner showcase, showcase or an indie direct? Yeah. Maybe it was like a indie world showcase earlier this year. But this is basically the way like I think of it in my head is like Among Us, but the like novel version. Yeah. So like uh, it's like a um really intricately like illustrated version where it's like all dialogue and story based. It's like an adventure game basically, and uh. Each round apparently takes like 10 to 15 or like 15 to 20 minutes. And you're essentially just trying to, you're interviewing and talking to different members of the crew on a spaceship, trying to figure out who is a Genosian, who is like a alien, and then who is human. And apparently as you um, play more, more and more rounds of it, more of the story of like the world and what exactly is going on, like why you're caught in this time loop begins to reveal itself. I'm really excited for this. I think I'm going to... Um, pick it up when it comes out i thought the trailer looked really cool and i yeah. think the concept is really neat um it's it's interesting the uh uh that concept of like being trapped in a time loop um and like dying and there being like a diegetic reason for like the rebirth is you know obviously um something that we're seeing a lot in games from uh that have the uh roguelike uh sort of um, oh yeah mechanic. yeah um, but you know, th there was a, a Sony state of play last week. Um, and I think there were three games that were like all presenting that as like a, a big feat, like Returnal, death loop. And there was a third. Now I can't remember it. Um, we're all like, and then when you die, you come back and have to figure out like why you keep dying and coming back. <laughs> People are it, into it. Yeah. And that was part of, um, outer wilds too, which has been out on other platforms, but yes. at the indie or at the uh, Nintendo Direct was showcased as coming to Switch this yeah. summer. Yeah, you're right. There's something in the air. It's just a satisfying is, gameplay mechanic, I guess. Is something that I was praising Hades for as well. Yeah, having like yeah. a reason for why you die and come back over and over again. So like just, you know, uh, from now on, like when you hear a game being like, and then you die and come back and what's going on, uh, you just get, you have to put a quarter in the jar, I think is what, <laughs> is what happened. Mark, also on Thursday, there's a game coming out called Super Met Boy. Um, just fair warning to everyone. This is not Super Meat Boy. This is something else. Just called I, Super Met Boy. No, I, it's confusing. I thought, the, I, I thought the same thing when I saw that. Yes, it, it is. It is confusing. Um, all right. Uh, Mark is uh, Genosia is is obviously one that we've talked about and that like we are both sort of uh, soft interested in. Um, do, do you think this is one you're going to pick up or? Yeah, I think uh, for sure. Cool. So I think it's like 25 bucks on the eShop. Um, but I'm going to wait until Thursday, I guess, like, I want to pretend that I've learned my lesson in pre-orders from uh, The Outer Worlds. And so 
maybe this will be like a really bad port or something like that that I'll want to wait on. But uh, I am planning on picking it up Thursday. All right, cool. Then we'll hear more about it next week. Mark, let's close out the new releases. That, of course, leads us to a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I'll talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, we are going back, of course, to our wonderful list of 433 categories uh, suggested by you, the listener. Uh, thank you, everyone, again, who wrote in for that. Um, this is helping us out forever, I think. Um, Dominic suggested that we talk about baking. Um, Mark, do you consider yourself a baker? No, not really. Um, I, during, like, as since we've been stuck at home, like, during the pandemic, there was a period where we were buying, like, the frozen Toll House cookie dough, like, squares. <laughs> yeah. And then we'd be making those regularly. But what we realized is like neither of us eat a lot of them. So we would be baking them for the joy for like, I say the joy of baking, but yeah, like that's how we felt. Even though we were just breaking off frozen right. cookie dough and putting it on a sheet, we were like, look at us. And so we were enjoying that part, but like mm. we never ate them. And so it just kind of petered. Yeah. Anytime I suggest getting uh, like frozen cookie dough, uh, Sarah's like, we can just make cookie dough. Like she, <laughs> she won't let me buy frozen cookie dough because she could, because we, she wants to just like make it. Do you guys have like flour in the house? Uh, yes. So one of the one of our early uh, purchases in the like lockdown um, was from uh, Golden Road uh, like brewery and like the 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 pub. They have like a um, yeah, I guess like a brew pub kind of like place to to hang out. And obviously that was shut down um, for months uh, during this, and so they kind of turned their place into like a regular um, like you, where you could buy like grocery stuff. And I bought a 15-pound bag of uh, bread flour from them. Um, oh, whoa. That we used to make, like, pizza crusts and breads and uh, cookies and stuff like that for months. We still have some of it. I gave some of it to Ryan Mogi as well. Like, <laughs> we're, just, we're, just, we're just doing our best here. So do you guys have a bread maker? Or do you, no. like, need it and do everything by hand? Well, so we're not... The, the when we make bread when either of us make bread um it is almost always like a, mo a more like kind of cakey bread right like a a banana bread or a zucchini bread or something like that oh got it um, got it yeah which is just like a, a sweet like loaf of cake basically um and i was like we'll primarily the process but we'll we'll make pizza um from scratch which means like doing doing the dough ourselves and like making sauce from like uh tomatoes and you know uh, like everything do, doing everything from scratch um and, and that that's the most like involved thing we do is make or most involved thing we bake is uh pizza dough although i guess sarah also makes bagels that's pretty that's like i feel like that is next level baking yeah because you got you got to boil and bake like there, there, there's a lot going on in 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 bagels were your was your family like growing up were you guys like bakers no <laughs> No, not at all. I mean, the <laughs> I don't ever remember my mother baking anything other than like, you know, a Betty Crocker like sheet cake, right? Like mm -hmm. from from the box. Yeah, my mom would make would make stuff like uh she had really good she has really good pies and cinnamon rolls and stuff like that. Um 
Man, I was wondering if for Sarah's like family bagel recipe is one of the steps complaining about the water. <laughs> no, so they were never they never lived in New York. So <laughs> Oh, okay. So they 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 don't they don't have that prompt of complain about the water. Do you when you uh watch like Great British Baking Show, does that make you think like, "Oh, I should do this. I I can I can bake too." Or does it make you go, "This is too complicated. These people are geniuses. I, I shouldn't even try." Yeah, it seems really complicated because I think like one of the things that you realize about people who are really good at baking is they understand like the science yeah. of it. And so they're like, ooh, I can compensate. And I've like my I've never had a love of it enough where I just go beyond the recipe. And so having to uh ad lib would never work for me. It's true. And just like getting to the point where well I guess we'll guess we'll we never, never know. know. Um, hold on, I gotta stop that applause from happening. We were accompanied today by pianist Kyle Shaw. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. There was a surprise Pokemon Presents presentation last Friday, um, where the Pokemon company revealed a couple of new games. One thing I thought was fun was uh, the bulk of the show was hosted by Takedo Yutsunomiya, who is the chief operating officer for the Pokemon company, who to me looks like a real-life professor character from one of the Pokemon games. <gasps> well observed, Mark. Well observed. <laughs> uh, the new announcements all focused on the uh, Sinnoh region. So first up is Pokemon well, Brilliant, hold on, Diamond, hold on. and Pokemon. Th that's all very exciting, and we have to get to that. But first, there was an interminably long video Going through every everything that Pokemon has created in the last 25 years. Um, and like when I say everything, like they went through and were like games and showed the first two Pokemon games, and then were like cards and showed like the card game, and then it was like anime and like heads up, you're gonna hear those three things like nine more times. <laughs> um but they also yeah. had like ones where uh it was I can't remember it was like light or something like that, and it was one of those like LED pens that when you yeah. wave it back and forth really quickly, um, you know, like uh, uh, image of Pikachu yeah. appears. And uh, like, so they, when you say that they went through everything, it truly felt like they went through everything. I mean, they showed when like Pokemon were painted on the side of a jet, right? And they were like, jet? <laughs> it's like, huh? <laughs> could, could, <laughs> could someone buy their own Pokemon jet? Um, but uh, one of the things that really like stuck out to me from this part of the presentation was just how uh, like in the hardware and like, uh, like stemming from the hardware uh, Pokemon is, right? That they have like, this card reader, they have an attachment so that you could plug your GBA into a phone so you could trade with people non-locally. Um, and, you know, that this like uh, light wand thing that you're describing, like there are just so many weird new novel ways to interact with your uh, Nintendo consoles and your handhelds with Pokemon as a property um, that I guess I just sort of like forget about or maybe is like, starting to fall a little bit out of fashion um you know they they released the uh the pokeball controller with um uh let's go pikachu and eevee uh but there hasn't been something like that since to my knowledge yeah that's true i, I guess that was only a couple of years ago though um but no i i think you're right like one of the things that's interesting about that first video is 
you know, like obviously with the original Game Boy, there were the connector yeah. cables, so you could trade that way. And then, uh, but you see, like as the generations advance, like the hardware needs to do less and less like custom stuff for the trading sure. to work. Like with the um, the Game Boy Advance, they had like little like um, I don't even I wonder what technology you used to do it, but basically you plugged it. It was like a game pack that had like a big attachment at the end that you uh, like <laughs> plugged into, into your, your computer, or Game something? Boy Advance. No, no, it was into your Game Boy Advance, and then you could trade wirelessly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so, but then, like, by the time you got to the DS, you had, like, Bluetooth, uh, and you had Wi-Fi and, like, that kind of stuff. So the need for those custom solutions became less and less, and now it all just kind of, like, lives in the cloud, right? You have home, you have Pokemon Home, where all of that stuff can live. I'm just saying, there's a, there's a whole, like, arm of the Pokemon company that is used to making stuff, things, electronics, and they're not doing it right now. Or they are, and we just don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, oh, also, uh, another thing that, like, not necessarily related to this, but, like, when they said a virtual, we talked in the past about a virtual Post Malone concert for Pokemon's 25th anniversary. Yeah. I assumed that, like, the virtual was referring to the fact that it was happening online. But I think that it was virtual in the sense that, like, Post Malone, it was, like, a computer-generated version of Post Malone giving a concert it's so weird this was another uh like another beat on the um like list of pokemon like products was there was one where it's like a uh, pokemon concert show or like vr concert show um and i didn't even know pokemon was doing like vr events yeah me either although i feel like i haven't watched it i think like i should seek out a youtube video of this post malone concert because i'm curious what songs he like chose for this event like uh what post malone songs celebrate pokemon's 25th i still believe that it is possible that by the uh the end of pokemon's 25th anniversary year we're going to have one of those like um uh like you know in the 90s it was really fashionable for celebrities to get together and create like a uh charity song Mm, sure and sing it all together and like the proceeds that is an 80s thing that like live aid you think that is an 80s thing we are the world and do they know Mm -hmm. it's christmas like that that's all like that's all late 80s stuff (laughs) okay so an 80s thing i'm hoping that uh as part of like the 80s revival our culture (laughs) is experiencing that we will also experience like uh celebrities many celebrities getting together to record a version of the Pokemon oh. anime theme song <laughs> that will then be like the charity, the proceeds will go to charity. I think that's a dream that we should, we can all yeah, get behind let's, for 2020. Let's all, let's all get behind that one. Let's all secret that into existence. <laughs> so the new game announcements, um, they're all starting, they're all focusing on the Sinnoh region. And so first up is Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Pokemon Shining Pearl, which are announced to be released in late 2021, so later this year. And these are remakes of 2006's Pokemon Diamond and Pearl for the Nintendo DS. Uh, these are games that I have not played at all. Uh, games I have never owned. Uh, games I have no familiarity with whatsoever. Um, I like the starters. I think they're good as far as uh, starters go. Um, they're the Turtwig, the Chimchar, and the Piplup. Um, those are all cute ones. So, I mean, and speaking of cute, uh, should we just go right into talking about like the art style of this game? Yeah, because I, I think that's like one of the big. Okay, because basically, yeah. like 
a Pokemon company has done remakes previously. But when they did those remakes, what they did is they took like the original games and put them into the latest game yes. engine, right? So they would take like the uh, red and blue, like the Game Boy graph, the Game Boy game, but they would update it to like the Gen uh, 2 Nintendo style. DS yeah. graph. Yeah, exactly. Like what, uh, whatever it is. And so this remake, they are not doing that. They're not taking po- uh, Diamond and Pearl and then you uh, making it in the style of Sword and Shield. They're doing more of like a Link's Awakening type thing where seemingly it is going to be like a very faithful, almost like one-to-one remake of uh, Diamond and Pearl. Um, It seems really cute to me. And like, I, I'm, I'm interested in them exploring like this kind of aesthetic for, because I, I feel like you could remake, because this is Gen 4, right? Um, that you could easily do the, the previous uh, Pokemon games in this exact same style and they would all be like fun and interesting uh, like a, a way to revisit those old games with just like a modern coat of paint, um, which I feel like is something that people want so frequently, right? Is just like a, a streamlined, nicer looking version of uh, the, the same game that you've played uh, a million times before. Yeah, it's it's an interesting line to th- like needle to thread, I feel like, because um, I think it's interesting that they're not, I, I think it makes sense that they're not doing like a sword and shield sure. because I think like that is a huge project to bring it to that level of fidelity. Um, but I, I, I think I'm, I'm surprised that they're not going like a let's go route either, even if they're not like, cause let's go, I thought was a good looking yeah. game and it, it still followed uh blue and red to like fairly faithful degree of fidelity. And so it's interesting that they're like kind of staking out a third path for these remakes because you're right, it has a much more like. I I feel like the, the word is overused by me because I have used it to describe a lot of stuff, but like chibi style, like it's you know like it takes like the kind of like squat, yeah. um, really round characterizations that were on the DS, and then just kind of like translate it fairly faithfully to, to like Polygon the Switch. Stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, with just like absolutely enormous heads and tiny tiny bodies. Everyone's a Funko Pop, basically. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly um it also like and this is not something that i noticed uh just like articles afterwards so there's already been like a third version of uh diamond and pearl which was um pokemon platinum and it's kind of like how pokemon yellow was a combination of red and blue um platinum was a combination of diamond and pearl and it looks like even though these are like all they've told us so far is that these are remakes of Diamond and Pearl. It does look like apparently that uh, there are aspects of Platinum that are going to be in it. So it'll just be interesting to learn like a little bit more about this. I'm in the same boat as you, Patrick. I never played either of these games. I'm not familiar with them at all. So if I pick one of these up, it would be an entirely new experience to me. So yeah. I wouldn't be spotting that like, oh, that wasn't in the original game or anything like that. And I feel like that is a like the lane that these products are in right yes. where it's like it's a faithful recreation for the fans but then for people like me and you who've never played it if we decided to pick it up it would be like a proper reflection of what these games originally were i do think it's interesting that they are including uh platinum content in both of these games um because it seems like probably what they really wanted to do was 
do a remake of Platinum, but wanted an excuse to sell two versions, right? <laughs> to to still yeah. keep like the exclusives to um uh whatever that Brilliant Diamond and uh Shiny Pearl is that what it is Shining Pearl. Yeah, no, that that's a good point, and I think like. The other thing that's interesting about this to me is that Game Freak is not developing it. Game Freak is, uh, uh, Masuda from Game Freak is overseeing it. He's one of the co-directors on the game, but it's being developed by a company called ILCA Inc., who I think developed like Pokemon Home, yeah, yeah, but I'm not 100% right. on yeah. that. But I think this is their first time like um, being solo developer on like a Pokemon project, project. And I think it's the first time that Game Freak is not like developing one of these remakes. And so um, I think maybe that also has something to do with the scope of it, where it's like, hey, it's kind of like a faithful one-to-one recreation because it requires um, probably less like oversight than, uh, you know, like developing a 3D version of these games. Yeah, that the bones are all there. It's just about, you know, building the assets for it, making sure it, it runs right. Also, it clears a game freak up to work on the other game that uh, was was announced during this thing, which seems like a much bigger deal. Totally. So uh, that is Pokemon Legends uh, Arceus. And so Pokemon Legends, like a new, totally new type of Pokemon game that is going to be coming in early 2022. So not a lot of time between these uh, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl games, and then uh, Pokemon Legends, presumably just a few months yeah, later. Yeah, the, the early 2022 like release date for uh, Legends is we- kind of weird, right? Like, Pokemon drops yeah, their big totally. guns in November. Like, they, they are the holiday game for Nintendo. Um, and I, I wonder... I don't know. I, I there's something going on with that release date, and I don't know what it is. I can't quite read the tea leaves here. Um, you know, uh, uh, one one uh, one fun conclusion to jump to, of course, is that uh, this is when we're getting the Switch Pro, and it'll have it. You know, some <laughs> new sort of hardware that can better run this open world Pokemon game, which is what this game is. Uh, but let, let's let's talk more about what what the game is or what what, what we saw of it so far. Yeah. So it appears to be a like like you said, an open world Pokemon game that takes place in the Sinnoh region far in the past. So um, it, it's like the Pokemon world that we know now with like masters and a championship and like different gyms, like none of that exists. Also, uh, no, is... no, like computers and stuff, too. Like both both the Pokemon part of it is uh, is back in time. But so, too, is the like real world, you know, like th- there's a sci fi aspect to Pokemon that we sort of gloss over where it's like. Oh yeah, you use like a ball that turns the Pokemon into light, and then you store them in a computer, um, and all of that is uh, absent from this. Though there are like uh, old primitive Pokeballs that have like metal mm-hmm. latches and like are carved out of wood um, that look really cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 neat to have like both like the real world and the uh, Pokemon world, like parts of it sort of rolled back in time. Yeah, so let me let me go ahead and just like read for a little bit the uh, dis- the official description of the game. So, as trainers explore the natural expanses in Pokemon Legends Arceus, they'll encounter Pokemon that call these grand vistas home. 
To catch wild Pokemon, players can study the Pokemon's behaviors, sneak up to them, then throw Pokeballs. Players can also battle wild Pokemon with their ally Pokemon. By throwing the Pokeball holding their ally Pokemon near a wild Pokemon, players will seamlessly enter battle. This new gameplay angle is intended to provide trainers with an immersive experience. Pokemon Legends Arceus brings trainers to the vast Sinnoh region as it existed in the past, long before the setting for Pokemon Diamond and Pokemon Pearl was established. Rich in nature and with Mount Coronet towering at its heart, this is a Sinnoh unlike anything trainers have experienced before as they embark to create the region's first Pokedex. As they start off on their adventure, trainers will be able to choose either Rowlet, Cyndaquil, or Oshawott as their first partner Pokemon. These three Pokemon arrived with a Pokemon professor who encountered them on reach search excursions to various regions. So this is all very cool and all very like evocative of Breath of the Wild, right? Like there's that that open world sort of angle. One of the shots in the trailer is like that sweeping, uh, you know, link running up to uh, like the top of the rock on, on the Great Plateau and looking out over the kingdom like they recreated that within uh, the engine of this game. Uh, where are like is is this what you always wanted to see from Pokemon? Do you think that this is what everyone thinks it is or like are we all like getting ahead of ourselves? Like are we seeing just the wild area from Sword and Shield and like getting too far like ahead of what we want? Like what 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 is your take on this, Mark? Yeah, so I uh... I think that because they're leading with what they're leading with, like the like open world aspects of it, I think that's the part that they really want us. Because I, I, I think it is an open world game. I, I, I don't know that if this is going to be the Pokemon game that everybody wants, because I don't know what that game is. Like, <laughs> oh, I, neither, it's neither definitely the not fans. the game. Like, <laughs> yeah, like it's not the game. Like I was asking for necessarily because I'm a more, I would say, very casual Pokemon fan, and so I'm happy to just kind of like pick up whatever they're doing, honestly. But I think that the fact that it's a totally new type of Pokemon game is what I'm taking away yeah. from this. Like, I don't think I don't have any expectations because my only expectation is that it is going to be something that is like very new. And that that part is exciting to me because, you know, I picked up Sword. I picked up the past few Pokemon games. Actually, I picked up Shield, but I, I picked up the fast, past few Pokemon games and I always put some time into it. But I, you know, it's never something that I like love. And I think it will be interesting to see how much they break a mold here. And if like a new type of Pokemon game is one that'll finally like really get me into the series. Yeah, because I, I mean, I, I agree with that 100%. Like the, both you and I have, you know, a more strained relationship with Pokemon than I feel like a, a, a lot of Nintendo fans like um you know, I, I as the the first one came out, I was already like too old really for it, um, and so like had just sort of like aged out of it, and have like sort of in in the last like eight, maybe I don't know eight seven years, um, have like gone back and like played them a little bit, but at most I dabble because I don't have like, um, you know, my my heart just like isn't pulled to it. And I feel like there have to be a lot of, obviously there's a huge audience for, for Pokemon games, um, but there's also just a big audience uh, of people that are interested in, in the characters as designs um, and that like abstractly like Pokemon, um, but don't want to get like super hard into uh, a core Pokemon game. 
And so if a game like this, I feel like it's the same sort of appeal as Pokemon Snap, right? That you can like mess around with the Pokemon and like see what they're up to and enjoy what you like about them without having to get like mired in the particulars of, uh, you know, weaknesses and types and uh, leveling and berries and all this, all this stuff that like, I just don't want to deal with. Um, and if this is uh, again, like something that is like everyone else's institutional knowledge no longer gives them like the weird leg up, uh, that you don't have, we're all coming into this at zero, um, feels really cool and feels like a, a fun place to onboard, even if it's not as purely an open world game as, you know, something like breath of the wild. Um, it seems like there, there are a lot of opportunities here for this to be something that I can get excited about. Yeah, totally. Because I, I feel like my experience with Pokemon has, with like the mainline series, has been that there are changes with mm-hmm. each like generation and with each game, but the core is so like, um, has, is so maintained that if, like, like if I wasn't really into uh, Sun and Moon, then like I didn't really have any expectations that Sword and Shield was going to change that for me. Because it was like, no, like all the things that I never could really like about Pokemon, like they never really changed. And so this is an opportunity to like break those molds. Uh, So yeah, it'll just be, it'll be interesting. I I, I honestly think that's one of the reasons I liked Let's Go uh, Eevee so much is because it was like a lot of Pokemon stuff that I was familiar with from like the red blue generation, but it had a lot of the things that like, I don't really like about Pokemon, like sanded away and so like for another opportunity for that is really exciting yeah agreed looking forward to hearing more about this one uh speaking of pokemon to commemorate the 10th anniversary of the nintendo 3ds japanese game magazine famitsu published the top 30 best-selling 3ds games in japan and the number one best-selling game is the is pokemon x and pokemon y at over 4.5 million copies uh, I figured we'd just run down the rest of the top five. So it was Pokemon XY, um, Animal Crossing New Leaf, Pokemon Sun and Moon, Monster Hunter 4, and then Yokai Watch 2, Bony Spirits, Fleshy Souls. <laughs> and obviously the, the, these are all uh, the, the, the Japanese numbers. Look how close the sales numbers are for New Leaf um, behind uh, Pokemon X and Y. Um, so it, it's like 4.5 million for Pokemon X and Y, and it's 4.47 million for animal crossing new leaf like it, the a, a, animal crossing was like so ready to have its moment um and i'm glad that it did have it last year um but yeah it just it, it's cool to like look at this and be like oh yeah no this it was it was coming up like it was ready also just how quickly like yokai watch um peaked yeah. in japan because like yokai watch 2 here it is selling like three million units. Then Yokai Watch Four, which was released on Switch, I'm I actually I don't know the numbers offhand, but I'm not even sure it cracked like a million in Japan. Yeah. So that's a series that really like uh, did its thing really quickly. <laughs> Do its thing and get out. Last week we mentioned that Tony Hawk and Nintendo were teasing the reveal of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One and Two remakes for Switch. And just a few hours after we recorded on Monday night, that's exactly what happened. There is no specific release date for the Switch release yet, but we know that it's sometime in 2021. So there you go. Brand's getting cute. Teasing something. <laughs> but then, of course, comes out. Uh, do you, are you excited for this? Like, do you, have you 
played it on other platforms? Like, do you think you'll pick it up on Switch? I mean, I, I messed around a little bit with uh, both of the uh, original games um, on PlayStation and Nintendo 64. Always at friends' houses. Never, you know, like, which is the one where I can play as Darth Maul? Like, I, I, pl- I played that one a little bit. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's, skateboarding games aren't totally my thing. Um, or I guess modern skateboarding things. I liked a lot of uh, uh, NES skateboarding games, as evidenced by our ABCs of Nintendo Sports um, episode. But yeah, it, it's 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 been uh, tough for me to get into uh, skateboarding games in the last you know twenty five years. Um, what what about you? Are you interested in in this collection? I really loved Tony Hawk Pro Skater One for the Nintendo sixty four, which is what I played yeah. it on. I think I will pick this up. Like I'm excited to experience these again i hope that they have kept like the arcadey feel of the original games because like i was never able to get into any of the more like simulation skating games they're very they require a lot of precision that i didn't feel like tony hawk needed and so uh i'm excited i'm yeah i i am looking forward to it it's one of those things where like um i'm sure by the time that it comes out on switch i can get it for significantly so much cheaper platforms But uh, so that's always something that you have to like keep in mind. Also, uh, you know, by the time this comes out on Switch, will Skatebird already be out? And will all their skateboarding <laughs> yeah, games right. uh, have to hide in embarrassment because they're not Skatebird? That's r- Yeah, that's right. Skatebird leading, I think, the tech deck revival <laughs> in the US for sure. Another update to a story we talked about last month, a statement from the Board of Los Angeles Convention and Tourism Development Commission seemingly revealed that the in-person portion of E3 2021 has indeed been canceled. Uh, This is a quote from their report. Quote, E3 2021 canceled live event in 2021, working with production team on broadcast options at LA Live slash LA Convention Center, working on 2022 and 2023 license. Um, so at this point, the ESA hasn't officially confirmed one way or the other. It, last we heard from them, right, they were still working out the mix yeah. and were working on a digital event. And I'm assuming we won't hear, uh, I, I'm assuming we won't hear concretely until they have a digital thing to like really roll out. Because I think one of the problems with uh, E3 last year is that they were, you know, they were like, oh, we're going to explore other options, but they didn't have anything lined right. up and it all crumbled really quickly. So this year, I don't think they're going to want to come out and say anything until they can like roll out. Um, like we are doing an online event and here is at least a broad understanding of what you can expect with these partners already on board. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's also just a, a matter of, um, you know, we, we are getting to the point where events that are like three or four months down the road you and I, before we started recording, we're talking about uh, Black Widow is supposed to come out in theaters in May. Um, and like, is that still going to happen? Uh, and like, we're, we're getting to the point where like, uh, just a couple months off feels like maybe some in-person events may start to have, like, no one, no one knows at this point. Um, but like uh, SDCC, San Diego Comic-Con, uh, just today announced that uh, they, were, they were going all digital with the possibility of a, a live component in November. Um, so like, I think as we see other like big conventions and stuff like that also, um, you know, taking, taking this year off as well, that, uh, you know, E3's gotta, gotta, you know, whether they have their digital event lined up or not have to be like, yeah, don't book your flights. Don't come to LA. Um, 
we're we're not going to do it in person. Yeah, yeah, totally. Turok 2 Seeds of Evil, which is a port of the Nintendo 64 game, was originally released on Switch in 2019, but last week the game received a major update to include online multiplayer, plus the online multiplayer is cross-play with PS4, with PC and Xbox being added later. I just thought that was kind of cool that, like, you get a free update to your game that you bought, like, that came out in 2019. Uh, that includes like online multiplayer, a whole new functionality. I assume that's like the whatever like deathmatch uh, kind of mode was in the original Turok too. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm assuming as well. I, you know, I never really played any of the Turok games. I remember going to a friend's house and them having like one of them, and I I do not know if this is true, but I remember being so terrified <laughs> of that game. That I have never revisited a Turok. Um, the original Turok Dinosaur Hunter on Nintendo 64 made me so motion sick in a way that a video game, it would give me <laughs> like awful headaches um, in, in a way that like no other video game has. Uh, so I, I have got bad associations with the Turok games. You know, there was a revival in, I think during the 360 era, published by disney actually or like that was supposed to be pretty good and i remember my friend picked it up and we intended to play it but of course i never did (laughs) so my like uh not revisiting turok games continues but i think that one there was like a weird blip where it had a a pretty good reputation (laughs) knockout city the new online dodgeball game from ea and valen studios that was revealed during last month's nintendo direct is hosting a beta April 2nd through April 4th. It's going to be a cross-platform beta, and you can sign up to participate online, which I started to do, but you ha- it requires an EA account, which I don't have, mm. and I just you was not motivated enough to, like, to sign up for one. Um, but yeah, if you have an EA account or you want to make one, you can find uh, the beta sign-up form online. And I, I thought this game looked fun. It's one of those games where, like, I wouldn't if my friends were into totally. it then yes. I think it could be a lot of fun. Um yeah, I th- I feel like very splatoon like in that way, right? Um this is this was the game that was featured in the Nintendo Direct that um uh had sort of a a, a weird trailer slash like commercial where they were like super uh, weird where they were like cartoon character like they're characters from other games that don't exist uh that were like playing this game. It was very strange. Um, but the game showed up again in the um, PlayStation State of Play from last week, um, where they they uh, did not have that gimmick of of video game characters playing the game, um, and they just kind of showed off more of like the individual, like how di- characters are different and how like you know w- one character can like turn into the ball that you like try to throw at someone, or uh, like how to charge up dodgeballs, or you know all, all this sort of stuff sort of digging into uh, what else the game actually is. Um, so I just wanted to bring up that state of play real quick because it, it, it for two reasons. One is that a uh, better look at uh, uh, Knockout City. Um, but two, that state of play also revealed the PlayStation 5 version of Final Fantasy VII Remake, which is subtitled Intergrade. And look, I know that this is a, that's PlayStation stuff, and why am I talking about it? Because at the same time, Square Enix was like, oh, by the way, we made two more Final Fantasy VII games that are coming to mobile. One is a uh, Final Fantasy, it's based on the Final Fantasy VII remake, and it's a battle royale. It's like a shooter where you're running around. It's called The First Soldier. Um, And the second one 
But the other game, I don't, I don't really care about that one. This this next one is the one I'm interested in. Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis, which is a retelling of the events of all the previous Final Fantasy VII games and also Advent Children, so the movie. Um, and it's all done like in the battle system and gameplay style of the original Final Fantasy VII but with like sort of touched up graphics it's on mobile i don't know why this wouldn't come to switch mark why wouldn't this come to switch it feels like 2007 to me all over again where we're like getting all of these final fantasy 7 related yes. projects and like spin-off games it's out of control i'm so look yeah i i didn't there was a lot i didn't like about final fantasy 7 remake um, but you know, part of it is, you know, I'm a big dummy and I like the original Final Fantasy seven. Uh, and I sort of just want a cleaned up. It's the Pokemon, uh, brilliant diamond and sh- shining pearl thing. I just want an excuse to play the old game again, but looking like something new. And that is exactly what they're doing, but just on phones. <laughs> I don't know. It seems, it seems like the, uh, it to me feels exactly like Final Fantasy 15 pocket, um, which, uh, was the or Pocket Edition, Pocket Version, I forget exactly uh, what the title of that thing is, um, that came out on mobile, but also came to Switch. So uh, I think that's th- this is going to be my campaign. I don't know when this game is coming out on mobile. I have no concept of when it would be ported to Switch, if at all, but I'm going. To, this is something I will be pulling for forever, I think. That's such an interesting idea, to put all like the events of all of those spinoff games in under one like one game that is using a unified combat system. That's like, it's, you're right. It's a really cool idea if it works. Yeah. Well, and there's so many, like, you know, I, I really only played the original Final Fantasy VII and I saw the movie Advent Children, which takes place like way in the future, like after all this stuff happens in, in the game. But there's also Dirge of Cerberus. There's Crisis Core. There's another one that I don't know the name of. Um, like there's so much in Final Fantasy VII's like expanded universe that they're just like putting it all into like one game. Put that game on Switch. <laughs> this is a campaign I can get behind for sure. Um, I'm I'm sorry that uh, in in getting to this uh, ridiculous route that we sort of moved off of Knockout City. Um, are 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 you more are you going to get over your hurdle of not having an EA account? And sign up for this beta. I um I don't I don't think so. I, I don't think I will. Um only because like I I just don't think that this is a game that I'm going to be able to get a squad together yeah, for. You tough. know? And uh and so and that that's okay, but I, I think like the idea is cool. A hacking team, or I guess like really they're a collective of uh programmers who dig into like Nintendo and uh they're they work under the team name lost nintendo history they have restored an unused an unused tv output feature in the found in the nintendo ds Lite Ooh. and only found in the nintendo ds Lite. uh it's on its system on a chip it's soc and it's not in the original ds and it's not in the dsi um and it is re- disabled in retail firmware but if you download like a custom firmware and there's a few extra hardware components that you need to um, add, you're able to output your Nintendo DS to a TV, which uh, is one of those like things where you're like, like clearly this was a feature that somebody was researching and looking into. And like, how long has this idea been floating around in Nintendo's yeah. head? 
because in a lot of ways, you know, we're talking about like a precursor to the Switch. Yeah, that's super cool. I wonder if that's just like a, a development tool, right? That they would just want to be able to like put mm, that up on, that's on monitors yeah. and like see it bigger. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, it, it, it's, the thing that's so weird is like Nintendo has this history of taking their the Game Boy for sure and giving you ways to put that up on the TV, right? Like there's the, uh, the Super Game Boy right. with the Super NES, there's the Game Boy Player um for the gamecube which also played um gba games uh like they're, they're always they're always finding ways to like, get the portable games up on the tv uh including here but just uh, always locking the customer out of it yeah yeah um i just like i think it's cool when like people like find this yeah. stuff after like 15 years or whatever i think it's neat that people care enough to like still be like delving into it looking for additional like secrets i mean what else are you gonna do with your ds light like it's time to crack that open <laughs> see what else it can do hey uh speaking of me like obsolete hardware that's maybe not so obsolete but still actually in this case probably uh the wii u received a system update yesterday march 1st it's the system's first update since september 2018 <laughs> this is great nothing major the uh, release notes just call out like improvements to stability, but it's wild to think that they're releasing updates. It makes me think that they found some sort of like vulnerability or like technical vulnerability that they're trying to patch. Because otherwise, like, what would even be the point? How many stability right. updates was yeah? Does the Wii U need? I mean, I'm I'm such a strong like a uh, Wii U uh, apologist supporter. I don't I don't know how <laughs> how you would a Wii U partisan. You're a fan. What am I? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like my my Wii U is just sitting quietly, um, not hooked up, or it's hooked, it's hooked up. It is, it is hooked up. I love it. I play it every day. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's uh uh yeah. A- after um two and a half years that they are uh giving it maybe one last update. There's a new Tetris Maximus Cup happening this week. Uh, it's it's actually the twentieth Maximus Cup, and this one features a theme for Bowser's Fury. The event starts this Thursday at 11 p.m. Pacific time and runs through Monday at 11 p.m. Pacific time. Like all these, like the other Maximus Cups, score 100 points to get the Bowser's Fury theme permanently. Um, I'm totally down yep, for this. Me too. Uh, very exciting. I love that. Uh, I, I hope Nintendo never stops doing these. Like I hope they just keep, every time they put out a new Nintendo game, I hope like one of the things on, on the checklist is did you create a theme for Tetris 99? Oops, guys, we got to go back in and do that. Otherwise, they won't let us release this game. <laughs> um, because I will play in Tetris uh, Maximus Cups forever. I love it. Yeah. And you're right. That You're right. Like I, I like that it usually is like timed to a new Nintendo release. It's just like something else to look forward yep. to. Finally, Nintendo is airing a Mr. Sakurai Presents Pyra Mithra on Thursday, March 4th at 6 a.m. Pacific time. This is the big, you know, like nuts and bolts of how these new fighters are going to work in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Uh, it's promised to be 35 minutes long. Is it going to include a release date, but will not include any additional fighters? Uh, very important that they set those expectations early. You will not find out anything else about any additional uh, fighters for Smash. You know, at, at some point, Mark, when we were making uh predictions for the year or something like that i may, we might have talked about there being like another pack like another fighter pack for um smash ultimate or something along those lines 
Yeah, I I think that was one of my predictions is that there was there would be a fighter pass three, but that Sakurai wouldn't be involved. Uh, and it would yeah. kind of be like the passing of the torch. Um, which is is, is still a, a a fun prediction. But man, I feel like the like hype cycle around new DLC character announcements, um, is so like circular firing squad is so like toxic and weird that like yeah, totally. I feel like Nintendo's got just like get these last this character and then the two others out and then be like we're done with smash ultimate like just (laughs) move on well you know like there was like a you know um i feel like the same is true whenever a new pokemon anything is announced and so i i wonder how much of that i mean obviously they're aware of like what the fans are saying but i do wonder how much of that actually like reaches them yeah like do you know like how much do they pay attention or care because i i don't really know like if you're Nintendo's um, social media person and you have those special Twitter um, settings that, you know, like official accounts right. get, do you, I, I'm assuming you're just like spam filtering the heck out of all of this and you're not really seeing all of, you're not necessarily seeing all of this it's stuff. It's probably true. Uh, it's, you know, when, when I watched the, uh, the Nintendo Direct the other week, um, it defaults to having the, the chat uh window open oh yeah and no you gotta, way you i mean you gotta real fast be like where is the hide chat um because that thing has got <laughs> to close because the whole thing is just people doing bits about um uh, smash characters yeah the other thing is that it's, those chats are going so, so fast. quickly that it's like <laughs> what's the not, point why are people doing it yeah i don't understand it i don't understand it <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, well, I mean, I'll watch that. I'm a sucker for these things. I don't know why I do. Um, but like, I'll watch 35 minutes of Sakurai explaining the new character to me. Are you still watching these things, or? or... I so I, I watch it. I watch like the intros, mm-hmm. and then I will um like speed through it. And whenever he's on the screen, I'll watch because I think he is uh, so charming, such a yes. joy in these videos. Like, yeah, he's so charming, and like he's. Uh, really self-deprecating and the jokes like the presentations are usually entertaining so i'll always check them out but usually once again it gets into the really nitty-gritty like it doesn't mean anything to me and so i usually check out at that man i love a good uh sakurai slow blink it's the (laughs) it's the best um all right mark that's the news let's close that out okay that's gonna do it for this episode of nintendo cartridge society Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts if you have not already. Um, Also, uh, please share this episode on Facebook or on Twitter or with uh, a person in your life who you like and might want to hear more about what's going on in the world of Nintendo and occasionally, uh, you know, learn too much about the new Final Fantasy VII games that are coming out. Um, Or to do any of that, you can also follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8 Betty. You can get more of his music by going to 8 or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening. Ever wanted to hear from the neighbor at 9 Cloverfield Lane? Or what if I told you that Dr. Loomis' worst patient wasn't Michael Myers, 
I'm Adam Peacock, host of the podcast My Neighbors Are Dead. Join me each week as I talk to the lesser-known characters from your favorite horror films. Each week is an all-new, fully improvised journey into the unknown, featuring friends and luminaries from the worlds of comedy, horror, and beyond. New episodes every Tuesday on Campfire Media. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Campfire.